Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. In the Marbles with Preston and Matt. Hello and welcome to In the Marbles podcast, our first episode. I'm Matt Beamer along with Preston Lude. Preston, how are you doing today? Great, Beamer. How are you? Good, good, man. Uh, so just to get things started, our first episode, to get to know everybody here, how did you get involved, or when did you become a fan of NASCAR? Well, Beamer, I've always been a fan of NASCAR. I'm 27 years old, as you know. Uh, I've been watching my entire life. My parents are the ones that got me into it. They took me to my first race. I can't quite remember, to be honest. It's been years. I, probably, I want to say eight or nine, probably. we Used to go to Darlington you every year. You remember your first race? It, it's I know it's very bad. Wow, I, I, I remember every aspect of my first race. I think I'm getting old. I wow. think I'm starting to forget things. But yeah, we used to uh, we used to go to Darlington every year. We used to have um, almost like I guess you would call it season tickets. I mean, they just had two races a year. So uh, and then my parents stopped going when I was about I want to say 13 years old. And then ever since then, I started going by myself with mm-hmm. friends, my brother, and. Make a party out of it. Nice. Who's your driver? I'm a Paul Menard guy. Okay. And a William Byron guy. Okay. I like that. So with Paul Menard retiring, are you going to just stick with William Byron, or are you going to go with Matt Benedetto? I'm going to go with both. Uh, both. I believe in Matt Benedetto. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think he was going to get a ride, but I like to uh, coin the phrase that Paul Menard is the hero for the NASCAR fan base because he's <laughs> stepping aside to give Benedetto a chance. And I think he realizes that Benedetto, excuse me, has a chance he's got the talent he just doesn't have the ride and i think right. paul thinks that this is the time that he can step away and also give somebody else a chance because i know menards is sticking with the wood brothers as far as sponsorships for next season so they've pretty much got everything covered at that point 
Good. They just need a driver. So, yeah. to, I mean, why not to Benedetto? Why not? Why not to Benedetto? I think that's a great choice for the 21. I think that team's going to go places. They haven't had a win since Ryan Blaney and Pocono a couple years ago. So I think wins are on the um, horizon for them. Absolutely. I mean, hey, what a, maybe the Wood Brothers get win one number 100 at the Roval. I mean, Paul Menard can race decently at road courses. We saw yeah. last year he was there near the end until, well, everybody forgot to turn left at turn one, and then it was all calamity after that. Yeah, yeah the infamous 103 lap accident where Kislowski <laughs> just forgot to turn left. And everybody else said, hey, we're going to follow that guy. Yeah, follow, follow the leader right into the barrier. That was a good race last year. I, I can't wait for to go back this year. Uh, Beamer, let me ask you, how did you get into racing? Well, that's a good story. Uh, we, It was crazy because I wasn't a fan growing up. And then I went on this mystery church trip to this, you know, those full motion simulator yeah. things in the malls? Yeah, okay, yeah. We went there and everybody, and I knew two cars. I knew Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon because everybody knew Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon in the 90s growing up. And I said, I'll be Jeff Gordon. Everybody's like, oh, all you'll see is the back of the my bumper, the Dale Earnhardt's bumper. It's like, I don't know, whatever. Got in there, we raced Daytona. I didn't know what I was doing. Ended up winning. And I said, I might give this a go. And ever since then, I was hooked. Nice. I love and the then, story. Yeah, it, it, it's, that's the tip of the iceberg story right there. I, I, that's about it, actually. Uh, and then uh, my first race I ever went to was Atlanta 2003. Bobby Labonte won that race. And it was Winston Cup. And then I've been to maybe 17 or 18 races since. Every chance I get to go. Just went to Daytona this year, going next year. Went to the Roval last year. Bristol this year. Been a couple Darlington races every race has been very memorable if you're there so that's how i got into it but now now let's uh since the fans now have an idea of our little background of racing i'd, I'd like to uh maybe start off you have any news from uh, either xfinity or cup uh i learned this afternoon in the cup series that uh it has been made official christopher bell is going to drive the 95 car for levine family racing next season we kind of saw that writing on the wall though once levine you know said bye to the Benedetto. It worked out for everybody in the end, but I, man, I think NASCAR needs to get rid of this. And I see why they do it, get rid of the four-card limit per team. Mm-hmm. But, my goodness, I mean, now it's just, you know, you got Levane family, you know, pretty much a, another team for Gibbs. Not as competitive as Gibbs, Gibbs, I think. If so, I think the Benedetto would have ran up front a lot more than he did this year. Not that he didn't do bad. He has average finishes 19th, which is way better than a few of the other guys I'd like to talk about today. I think, you know, the Benedetto is definitely going to places. Chris Bell, I can't wait to see him. I've seen him come up through the ranks. He's going to be fun to watch. Well, uh, I also read in the article that Joe Gibbs Racing says that they're going to up their um, affiliation with the 95 team as well. So uh, probably going to get some even better equipment while they're at it. Who knows? Maybe the Benedetto didn't have, you know, they didn't have all the secrets to everything. Nah, sources tell me he got maybe, I think, last year's engines and all that stuff. So they were kind of, you know, off the pace when it comes to that. But he ran well at Daytona for the 500. Got taken out, I think, by Paul Menard, ironically enough. Ran great at Bristol Night Race. Um, I have never heard a 
fan base cheer for a second place driver like they cheered for him. That was amazing. And, and he's shown that he can race and that he can be competitive. And he's always there at the end. His average finish is 19th, like I said. So I think he's got a great future to him. So yeah, Christopher Bell dominated. I think he's a favorite for the Xfinity Championship this year. Dominated in uh, Richmond. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Let me, uh, I got something I wrote, wrote down here. I was watching it. Christopher Bell. Uh, the race was 250 laps long. Christopher Bell led 238 of those laps. Holy and I cow. think, if I'm not mistaken, Austin Sindrick started first, and he led the first eight laps of the race, and then Christopher Bell took over from there. But Brandon Jones did lead four laps as well. I think that was somewhere in the middle. But uh, Christopher Bell won every both stage races, and then he uh, he got the final, right. the victory as well. Well, I mean, I mean, that just goes to show. I think Chris Phil is the future of Joe Gibbs. Once you know, maybe up there to Kyle Busch or you know Truex or Denny Hamlin retire, he could bump up there. But I think he's he's got a good future with that organization, and that's going to definitely help Levain family racing with the added resources for Christopher Bell. Uh, Another um, piece of news, uh, JTG Racing says from Adam Stern, who's a auto racing reporter, uh, states that both Ryan Priest and Christopher Buescher are expected to return in 2020. I think that's good for that team. I think both those drivers show great potential, just have kind of run in luck. Chris Buescher um, is always seems to be up there up front, average finish of 17th, doing very well, and Priest. Um, you know, he's shown some great potential in the car and shown that he can run up front. It's just unfortunate circumstances here and there have prevented him from, you know, getting that push that he needs. But I think he'll be there at, he'll do very well. His average finish is 23rd, so still room to develop. He's a rookie. So I think he's got that. But um, I think one of the big pieces of news coming out of the last couple weeks that a lot of people aren't really talking about anymore is Daniel Hemrick. Uh, what, do you, what do you feel about Hemrick? I, honestly, Beamer, I'll tell you what. I don't think they gave Hemrick a, enough time. Uh, one year is not enough. I don't, know what, I don't know what Childress is thinking. I don't know what's going through that team's mind. I don't know if there's maybe sponsorship issues. I don't know the whole backstory to it, but I just I don't feel one season is enough. I mean, Hemrick is not a bad driver. No. It just, I mean, to begin with, that Richard Childress Racing has struggled to begin with just a season in general between Hemrick and Austin Dillon. I mean, we've seen that firsthand plenty of times, but I just, in my opinion, I don't think Hemrick was given enough time. I don't know what you think. I'm curious to hear what you have to say because I know you've been talking about this. Well, I happen to have a list of finishes for both Austin Dillon and Daniel Hemrick. In my opinion, every race I've seen to see, the three car has struggled. The three car has struggled and the eight car has struggled. So I don't think it's a driver thing. I think it's an organizational thing. I'm with you on that one. So, Absolutely. So I have side by side. I wrote out all the way the races up to 28 races up, up to Richmond. Uh, next week is the Roval, of course. But I wrote down all their finishes, averaged them up, and it's close. It's within 2.5 of an average finish, with Austin Dillon having an average finish of 20.25 and Daniel Hemrick having an average finish of 22.75. Mm. Now, to me, that says both drivers equally are not good. You, The only big difference is Daniel, Daniel Hemrick has one more DNF at 4 over Austin's three, and Austin Dillon has one more top ten, sorry, two more top tens, being four top tens in 
to two top tens for Daniel Hamrick. And, but Daniel Hamrick has one top five at Talladega. But to me, one year isn't enough to develop. Imagine if they didn't let Joey Logano develop, Jeff Gordon develop. You know, that guy wrecked so many cars in his rookie year that nobody thought he would make it. And turns out he's a four-time Winston Cup champion. I think really what the big issue is, and one of the big telling sparts again from Adam Stern, is that Tyler Reddick's bringing $5 million up from Xfinity to Cup. Oh, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. For a team well, to use. Nowadays, I mean, in the world of NASCAR, $5 million might not seem like a lot of money to them. To us, it is. But nowadays, yeah. NASCAR is all about the money, and you have to bring money, the sponsorships. I don't know. Maybe we should give Tyler Reddick a chance, but I, like I'm with you, I don't think Hemrick was given the adequate amount of time. And Reddick is a good driver. He drives really well in Xfinity, does really well, has a number of wins this year. Just don't know if... Ah, I just feel so bad for Daniel Hemrick, but uh, I, I think there's the future is there for him. For, uh, Tyler Reddick is definitely going to be change it up a little. He How many wins does he have this year? He has five wins this year in Xfinity, which is significant yes, to me. Yes, he's sitting in third as well in points. Okay, so we'll see where that stands. And now we go to uh, Richmond. It was a good race for the Cup Series, I thought. Martin Truex Jr. won. Uh, the spin to win, as people would say. The Really, the big story out of that is... Eric Jones's penalty and it was really cool seeing Gibbs finish one two three four but then Eric Jones got that penalty something it was about the rear end toe something like that and dropped him all the way down putting him in a must win for the Roval yeah uh let's see here I'm looking uh, I read the article I heard I heard about it late Saturday night uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and the first thing on my Facebook newsfeed was Eric Jones and it turns out yeah you were right the rear toe uh they found that penalty on when they do every car they do every they have a standard inspection for every single finisher and then after that then they go more in depth but only with first second place and then a couple random cars that they chose right so Eric Jones he was found on the first round of the inspection. I'm sorry, I'm blanking out. I'm looking over to the left. Yeah, so um, that was big. You're talking Cho Gibbs, one, two, three, four. And then after that, with Eric Jones moving out, that puts what I thought one of the big stories of the night was, who was quiet most of the night, Ryan Newman. Yeah, Ryan That moves him up into the fifth spot. Ryan Newman is doing very well. He's the, he's the ninja out there, just consistently running, doesn't have to do anything, but um, really did a great job and, you know, put himself up there, I think, in a good buffer to advance. I mean, he is 14 points to the good, so it takes something really, really big for him to go out. You know, pretty much anybody from 7th all the way down to 12th are in the danger zone. You got Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Ryan Newman, Ryan Blaney, Eric Almirola, William Byron in the danger zone. And Bowman ran very well at the role of the last year, finished both stages gathering points and finished 4th in the race. Whereas Byron finished 34th, but he was caught up in that lap 103 crash. Amarillo didn't really do anything spectacular out there and Eric Jones finished 30th in the Roval but he did do well he did do well at Watkins Glen and Sonoma this year finishing 8th at Sonoma and 4th at Watkins Glen so he knows how to road course race and I think the second time back will definitely benefit him but man he is 45 points back he's he's in trouble he's in a must win situation him and uh, Kurt Busch two Kurt- guys that are really in a must win situation at this point yeah Kurt Busch is only 14 points back I think if he has a good 
good run this year or at the Roval, he can bump himself up there, but then everything's got to go wrong for the Chase Elliott's, the Kyle Larson's, the Ryan Newman. Good luck on that. And everybody else we talked about to have all four of those drivers advance. I would love to see Eric Jones advance, but I'm not going to put my money on that. Looking at the standings here, I'm already going to go on the limb and say that I don't think either Kripalish or Eric Jones gets past this round. I'd like to see Boyer advance. Boyer, you know, has been having an up and down year. I think in the past few years, he's just been one of those unlucky guys out there on the track all the time. He's just, God bless him. He races his heart out, but victim of unfortunate circumstances kept him out. But you know what was funny? Alex Bowman, going back to Alex Bowman, him and Austin Dillon got into it on track at Richmond, in which I thought it was funny, but Bowman said this on the radio, I will shove that silver spoon he's been fed with his whole life up his ass. That was hilarious. And Denny Hamlin said the same thing, and it kind of echoes what my feelings are to Austin Dillon going back again to Daniel Hemrick and him getting kicked out. 2.5 position average above Daniel Hemrick. He gets to keep his ride, whereas Hemrick gets to boot. But $5 million talks, and Daniel Hemrick walks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, I found it very funny. I, thought, I, I always like to listen in on the radio, everybody, when they always have heated exchanges and when drivers are yelling at their crew chiefs. Yeah, that's, but, uh, that's why I, I listen to Kyle Bush's radio every race, just to hear that guy. I, that guy yells so much, but it's fun to listen to him. Sometimes he's calm, but other times he explodes. I want to touch on uh, the whole Martin Truex uh, spinning out situation in the uh, oh, Ricky Stenhouse getting into it. Oh him. my uh, goodness. <laughs> Again, he is a factor in the race and he didn't even mean to be, but he is. I, I felt bad for him locking up the tires heading into that corner. Maybe he got into you know too aggressively but it's just one of those things where it's just you always have to say ah there's Stenhouse again you know I want to touch on something you know going to races the last couple years when I would go my brother my friends we would always joke we'd always have this running bet of when would Ricky Stenhouse make his appearance in the race as in when is he either going to wreck or when is he going to cause a wreck? It, it never failed, uh, especially the last couple times at Darlington. It never fails. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I know he's a good driver. He can be a good driver, and he, he has his moments, and then there's his moments where he just – he's always – in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, I, I don't know. I don't understand that with Stenhouse. He's got it. Uh, again, he's not running too hot this year. One top five, four DNFs. I think, and you can't say it's Roush Fenway because look at Newman. Newman's running very consistent in the chase with an average finish of 13th. Newman's going to skate all the way, maybe, maybe into the final four again. He's done it before, but that guy knows how to skate his way all the way through without having to get a win, but he knows how to finish consistently without damaging the car. He, he definitely has a renewed sense of driving since he started racing this year. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He's definitely doing better than he has in the past four or five years. He's definitely running up there. So I'd like to see Ryan Newman run very well. Holy cow, I mean, we still have the top six to look at when it comes to that. You have Joe Gibbs Racing, Stuart Haas, and Penske. And all three Penske drivers in the top ten. All Gibbs drivers, with the exception of Eric Jones, right up there in the chase in the top five. And Kevin Harvick carrying that banner for Stuart Haas, while Eric Almirolo and Clint Boyer are in my danger zone. And then you got Ganassi Racing, Larson's running decent, but Kurt Busch isn't. There's a lot of moving parts there, and 
and I would have liked to seen Stuart Haas maybe bring a little more to the table. It's tough, tough to do, especially with the playoffs now. Uh, be, uh, let's talk about as far as Richmond goes. We'll talk about the first two stages real quick because I wanted to touch on something. Um, okay. In uh, stage one, I, there's a list of drivers. A list of drivers in the playoffs that did not earn any stage points in stage one, and that was Kurt Busch, Ryan Newman, Eric Almarola, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Alex Bowman. Wow. And then, as far as stage two goes, it was almost the same. Uh, Kurt Busch, Almarola, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Alex Bowman. All drivers that did not finish inside the top ten in either the first or the second stage. Wow, that's that's significant, especially now with stage racing. Those top ten in points, you, if you can at least get one, that would add up over the course of the season, especially up to 26 races. You know, one point, 52 points if you just finish 10th in the stages. I mean, that's that's the difference between making the chase and not making the chase. That's the difference between getting eliminated from a round and staying in to play more. You know, you need those stage points, and that's what I think kind of makes stage racing interesting. I was kind of against stage racing going into it, but found that to be very interesting going forward. And as far as um, the laps led at Richmond, just like in the Xfinity Series, there were only three drivers that led laps at the race. Truex Jr., who finished first, he led 109 laps. Kyle Busch, who finished right behind him in second, he led 202 laps in that race. And then Brad Keselowski, who finished fourth, led 89 laps. And that was the only three drivers that had any laps led at all during that race. Wow. Wow. So now you got to look at Keselowski, who's always a factor in every race, even if problems got to happen early for him, so him and Paul Wolf can work through that. He's very good. I think he's a factor. He's definitely a Final Four pick in my estimate, up there with definitely Truex, Kyle Busch, Kozlowski, and if I had to pick a dark horse, I'd pick Newman in the top four. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, but I mean, looking at the points right now, the top four, which is Truex, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Kozlowski, I wouldn't be surprised if. That's the final four that we see when we get down to Homestead. I want to be either. I want to be either two Fords going against two Toyotas. And I think going into the Homestead, Joe Gibbs' race to lose. It's Truex and Kyle Busch's race to lose. But you never know. There's so many X factors in racing that we could see a surprise champion come out of everything. But I know that we have to keep an eye on because of the fact that this week at the Roval uh, is an elimination race, and then we'll yep. have our top twelve, and then we start the next round, and we go. Uh, NASCAR goes to the Cup Series goes to Dover, Dover, Talladega, and then Kansas. And Talladega is one of those races where anybody can win, and that could change a lot of people's outlooks in the playoffs coming up. Yeah, that's definitely a crapshoot coming up here, and I can't wait. I've always liked tapered spacer racing, I yeah. guess you could say. Always enjoyed that. Always a surprise at the end. Definitely big wrecks are a factor, but keeping yourself up front is the safest place to be, but that's not necessarily true, as we saw a few years ago when Tony Stewart got turned in the front of the field and took everybody out except Matt Kenseth. Definitely looking forward to a few weeks from now, but we, you and I, are going to the Roval this weekend. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. That has been a year in the making. I went to the race last year. I like I like going to races where I haven't seen a driver win. I've seen Denny Hamlin win four times. A Southern 500, the Bristol Night Race, Daytona 500, and an Xfinity Race. Matt Kenseth I've seen win twice, but Everybody else I have I have seen win once, I believe, looking at my car collection, my die cast. That's about it. So so I was excited to see Truex and Jimmy Johnson go for it and Johnson just 
locked it up and spun on there on the final chicane. And that was the craziest thing that Roval definitely has traction. Charlotte Motor Speedway did a great job gambling on that. And it is a fun race. It is a fun race. It was a fun race to watch at home. I was planning on going to it and then I was not able to, but I watched it at home. I thought it was fantastic. I can't I- wait it, it, because there's so many factors and variables. And I think this year is going to be better than last year because I think everybody was tiptoeing last year. What's it like in race conditions with 30-something cars on the track? Now this year, everybody has an idea that's raced there last year. What's going on? Step on the gas and go. Chase Briscoe won the Xfinity race last year. Ryan Blaney won it last year in the Cup Series. Surprise finisher. It's not over till it's over. That's right. Richard Petty said, I I don't know how many laps I led, but I know I led on the last lap 200 times. So that's all that matters is that last lap. And Ryan Blaney was a surprise winner there. Got his die cast there. That's... I think Kyle Larson was Kyle Larson the one that got in just by the edge. He was wall riding and wall what riding sa- right past what saved Johnson. Him, what saved him, I think, was Earnhardt, uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt. Oh, Jeffrey Earnhardt, yes, Jeffrey Earnhardt. What saved him was Jeffrey Earnhardt wrecking into the wall. That was another spot for Larson. Boom, he advances and Jimmy Johnson gets eliminated. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I like about these cutoffs. I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to earn the points at the end of the year you want it this makes it very interesting for the rest of us yeah i'm right i'm right there with you i i wish honestly i wish we would go back to the old point system i like having race week to week getting as much points as you can you wreck you get back out there you run finish the race every you know every time i feel like i'm getting away from this whole stage racing the whole playoffs something happens and i get drawn right back into it again so it's a it's a love-hate relationship at times uh, it truly is but i i think i think you could look at it you know the point system it's nascars to make up a lot of people say jimmy johnson didn't win seven championships i say jimmy johnson won seven championships under the point system and there's this meme going around of Earnhardt sitting there on the tires looking all grimacy and Earnhardty and said, oh, back in my day, we raced for championships, not chases. I bet if Earnhardt was here winning those chases, he wouldn't say that. Yeah. A champion's a champion in the sport, no matter how it's crowned. It's kind of like saying Kyle Busch hasn't won 200 races. He's won 200 races in the Cup, Xfinity, and trucks, trucks combined, but he hasn't won 200 Cup races. That's what I think the magic number is, which nobody could touch. The closest is David Pearson. Yeah, that, that's just crazy. I think people just get caught up in the weeds about NASCAR, and it's not good anymore. You can't live in the past. You got to start a new chapter somewhere. I'm sure people, when it was going from Grand National to Winston, were all up in arms, but Winston turned into a good stretch for NASCAR, and Sprint and Nextel did a great job promoting it. And I'm curious to see next year because I think we're going to have a different sponsor layout for the Cup Series. It isn't going to be the Monster Energy Cup, it's going to be just the NASCAR Cup Series. Yes, and you're going to have. Um, but you have like multiple sponsors like Monster yeah. and Coke and a few others I don't know about that I have that I should have researched. But I, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I don't care if they call it the NASCAR Cup Series; it's NASCAR to me. I'll still pay my money to go see it and watch it. Any Absolutely. chance I get, any I'm chance right I get. Right there with you. Um, real quick, yeah. uh, I wanted to touch on the Roval that we will be going to this weekend. Like we said again, the Chase of Chicane on the backstretch. 
Uh, it's um, much wider now, so they will not be carrying as much speed as they did last year into it. And then we saw in practice last year a couple times guys going over the rumble strips and Bubba flying Wallace. into that tire barrier. Bubba Wallace met the tire barrier. <laughs> I think I think uh, Denny Hamlin did too, if my memory serves me correctly. That was a good race last year. I, I think that's a good idea. I think it make it a little more opportunity to go too wide through there. Mm-hmm. That it would take someone of strong will to do that. Either way, that was I, I, in in. If rumor, I'm hearing rumors that other tracks are looking to do a Roval type race. I think like Texas, because road courses have gained popularity over the past few years. But one of the downsides to road course racing is if you're not in a track that you build a course in, like say a Watkins Glen, you you see the cars come by, then you watch the big screen. You see the pit stops and stuff, but you watch the race on a big screen. It's it's eh, it was fun. Watkins Glen's a very historical track. It was... You read my mind. Uh, You absolutely read my mind. I've been thinking the same thing all day long. Uh, Road courses are great. I love road courses. Don't get me wrong. Road course racing is great. It's very challenging. But the fact that Charlotte Motor Speedway moved into having this roval inside of their track, I think it's great. You can see the entire thing. Yep, and where we're going to sit, we're going to be up high. We're looking right down to turn one and the exit of turn seven. It is a great seat. I think you're going to enjoy it there. I can't wait. You're going to be a bit lower for the Xfinity race. Good to get up there and see the whole track. I can't wait. So, yeah, Roval. And if you happen to come across guys handing out cars for in the marbles and you listen to this, thank you for listening to this. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be handing out some cards trying to get our name out there. Hopefully get a little more support for the show, it, you know, trying to get this off the ground. We're really excited about this. Okay, so I- any other news you could think of? I, that's about all I could think of as far as the Roval. Okay, top three picks. Give me your top three picks for the Roval. Top three picks and, and, for the and Roval. What's crazy about this, you can only go back one year, so the best average finish there is Ryan Blaney and first and that was just because Truex got taken out by Jimmy Johnson not taken out just a racing incident but man Truex was not happy about that and don't blame him but Truex was a hot temper last year I think um I'm gonna I'm gonna say my top three picks uh Kevin Harvick is definitely gonna be in that top three he he proves he can race just about anywhere Ooh, I mean it's it's tough I mean we're only going off one race from last year as I mean who knows I mean this the Roval is a much different road course than other road courses that we look at as well Absolutely. So I'm going to put William Byron as almost like a dark horse in that top three. I think they bring it with them this week. It's going to be tough. Long race. And then I'm going to go way out on the limb. I'm putting Ryan Newman in my top three as Ryan well. Ryan Newman. That's a good top three right there. So my top three, and I think, you know, this is going to sound biased, but I think I'm going to go for it. Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Kozlowski. Kozlowski ran three. great there last year. Whoops. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Kyle Busch, always a threat, and Truex leading there up to maybe 100 feet before the start-finish line. But you can't count out the drivers like Jimmy Johnson, Joey Logano, great road racer, Chase Elliott, one at Watkins Glen this year, great road racer, Clint Boyer, I'd like to see him do well, but I think that's going to be my solid top three there, the 1918 and two car because I think strategy is going to play a lot into it, and I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but if it rains... Midway through the race, uh, you could bet you there's going to be at least one dry scene in the house because I'll sit there the whole time watching it. I would be excited to see rain tires I, be that, put on. I got one of my friends who, who works on a team, 
and he he dreads the day they use rain tires because it's just a whole different ballpark but i think it throw a good wrench in it and not a crazy downpour just a nice little dump maybe a turn half to track maybe not to half we're sitting on but the other half of the track <laughs> that just gets a good downpour and then goes away what do you do do you stay in for slicks or do you come in for tires i'd love to listen to that radio communication get that strategy kind of like a formula one race like germany did you watch the german grand prix do you watch formula one i watch formula one sometimes i actually have a formula one racing game on my xbox that i wow. play as well and wow. let me tell you what graphics are fantastic but oh. i know exactly what it, i mean i don't know how it is in real life but racing on rain tires on a game is very difficult the german grand prix will go down in history as one of the best races i've ever seen it was so good because it rained i think for stappen won that race but it was a great race lewis hamilton wrecked botas wrecked out of the race and two mercedes drivers but that little x factor of rain i think would be awesome and i think that will just the highlights you'll get of that and, and the talking points you'll get from that i think it'd be fantastic i mean i'm not i don't want to wish rain i hate always wishing rain like we saw at darlington when the rain came out of i mean well we knew that there was a chance of rain at the afternoon yeah right when they were getting point, into their right when they were getting in their cars and and uh-oh. then it just downpoured. it just was not fun it was, it was not fun whatsoever i don't think it's going to be like that I not just, at all i would love to just see all these top guys try and race in the rain on rain tires right. i think it'd be very fantastic to see it'll really it'll give you yeah, like you said more talking points as to how everybody can work absolutely you know compared from dry to wet track i think it'd be fantastic but i, I think don't it really want to wish it like that no no and i i don't think you need to do that but i think i think it would be fun i think it would be a lot of fun okay so i you got any other news predictions i think that will about do it you know I, yeah i i think we pretty much covered it all I, there wasn't too much of a silly season going on uh, these days no. they, i mean we're still waiting to find out who's going to take over uh, david reagan's spot um and of course my predictions went out the window when i found out yeah when the benedetto got picked up exactly, by the wood brothers I thought there that goes the benedetto Mike. maybe was going to go to front row but then he said that he didn't want to take a step back and then it just blew everybody out of the water when you know, Menard said, hey, I'm stepping out. But then the Wood Brothers said, hey, who do you want to fill the seat? And De Benedetto was, he said Matt De Benedetto's name like within like seconds of them asking that question. So he already knew. And right. De Benedetto already knew a couple weeks before Paul even was going to make the announcement that he was stepping away. And De Benedetto did a great job of keeping that a secret for a couple weeks before that. Right. And he, I don't think he pushed the envelope. That shows what kind of a person De Benedetto is. I haven't met the guy, but I'd like to get to meet him. Just kind of say, you know, believe in you. A lot of people came up to that team's pit stall in Darlington and were very supportive. What's your favorite track you've ever been to at NASCAR? I know you've been to Darlington. You've been to any more? Uh, just between Darlington and Charlotte so far. Those are the only two I've ever been to. And the What's only you- reason I say Darlington is my favorite is because of the style of racing, not just the history of NASCAR, because that track is one of the most historic tracks in NASCAR. But the style of racing it is a very difficult track to race. And you don't have to. You don't race the competitors. You race the track. Right. You should do that at every track, though. But I had that question asked to me at Darlington while tailgating. And that was the toughest question I, I had to go through my head because I've been to 
Pocono, Watkins Glen, New Hampshire, Charlotte, both Roval and Oval, Darlington, Daytona. I've been to so many tracks. Atlanta, it was tough to pick my number one because each brings their different uniqueness. But if I were uh, have to have a gun pointed to my head and say pick one, probably be Charlotte because of the right there in the middle of everything. I wish I could have seen a North Wilkesboro race. I wish I could have gone to the Rockingham race. Rockingham would be a great Rockingham. One if they bring that go. back, I'll I'll be first in line to get that ticket. But here to the driver of the week, uh, we'd like to do this to try to bring a little history back and just to give someone a quick shout out that's made an impact in racing. And this this week's driver of the week is Tim Richmond. He was born in 19, 1955, June seventh, nineteen fifty five, and unfortunately died from complications due to AIDS in, on August 13, 1989. Left a good legacy. He started out in uh, sprint cars and USAC Silver Crowns and actually raced in the Indianapolis 500. Was awarded the Rookie of the Year honors. Then he came into NASCAR and he debuted in NASCAR in 1980 in the Coke 500 in Pocono, finishing 12th. So great debut for him. First top 10 came in 1981 in Talladega where he finished 6th. His first pole was in Bristol, Tennessee in 1982 and his first win in the NASCAR Cup Series was in Riverside, California, driving for Jim Stacy in the number two Buick. And the highest he ever finished in points was third in 1986 for Hendrick Motorsports. He, When he retired from racing, he had 13 wins, 78 top tens, and 14 poles to his credit. So Tim Richmond is your driver of the week here at In the Marbles. I think that'll wrap up our first episode there, Preston. Uh, you got anything to say before we... Uh, nope, I, I, I've i got nothing. I just, uh, I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Roval. Absolutely. That's for sure. I'm, I'm ready to get up and get on, on our way, our merry way to the Roval. Yeah, that, we'll be heading up there Friday and spending a whole week in there in the uh, campgrounds near the uh, drag strip. Definitely looking forward to that. Lude, I think this is the first of many good episodes to come. Thank you so much for everyone who listened and downloaded the podcast. On this day in NASCAR history, uh, we're also going to do this in conjunction with the driver of the week. It's not on. I couldn't find anything for the life of me on that happened on September 24th. So I picked something from September 20th that I think everybody will be interested in. September 20th, 1992, Ricky Rudd held off Bill Elliott in the peak anti-freeze 500 at Dover. Alan Kowicki crashed early in the race, leaving him 278 points behind in the title race. Kowicki then said after the race, this probably finishes us off in the championship. He went on to win the championship in 1992 over Bill Elliott in Atlanta in a great finish. Make sure to like us on Facebook at In The Marbles. Share that page and for constant updates on the show and follow us on Twitter at Marbles underscore in. For Preston Lude, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again for listening.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 